Climbers, you know what the definition of happiness is? Finding out that the industry you're a part of or the dream industry that you really want to be a part of is growing bigger and bigger every second. And that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. So don't change that channel. Welcome to the climb. This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. That's what you're going to need in the new music business to get the things that you want to get ahead. If you're an artist and you want to be in front of people, you're going to need to prove that you can be in front of people, that you can handle the crowd, that you can sell merch, that you can sell tickets, that people are going to stream your music. If you're a songwriter that aspires to get cuts and get your music to artists who like to get in front of people, then you're going to have to prove that you've got a track record on that too. That's called leverage. That's why we called it the climb. C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. That's a Baxter name put together by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter, who's also handsome. We both got haircuts. And uh, <laughs> what, what I love about Brent is uh, he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro, do business like a pro, and on a regular basis, he gives you opportunities to create the final factor and the biggest part of the equation, relationships with the pros, with your competitive products so that you can go and monetize this stuff and actually make a living doing it. You can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my also got a haircut co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. Yeah, it's complicated, but Johnny has a lot of brains under that shorter hair. If you're looking, if you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That's production, singular, no S. There is no S because there is no other Johnny D. I'm banged up today. Banged up, but not not from alcohol this time. Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's from working. <laughs> from working. 18-hour video shoot day yesterday. Um, it was crazy. We are trying something new here with uh, – with an artist that we're that I was asked just to do a music video for to direct a music video for, which is pretty cool. That's fun. And yeah, super fun. And, um, we did two videos. We did, uh, the proper music video and we shot that at alley taps, uh, for half the day yesterday. And mm-hmm. then if you can believe this, we talked to everybody that was gracious enough to be in the video to also shoot the prequel, which in true Hollywood fashion, we shot after we <laughs> shot the music video. But the prequel will is going to be the lyric video, the, the backdrop for the lyric video. Hmm. Right. Interesting. So it's um, the artist's name is Matt Bailey, who mm-hmm. was a, he used to be on Sony and he had a couple other record deals, too. I can't remember where else he was at. The song's called One Whiskey Away. So the idea is that the girl, this girl walks into a bar and she's just so beautiful. It makes the artist nervous. Yeah. And he's 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 inside his own head and he's just he, he wants to go ask her name, but he's he he's gotta build up the courage to do it and he's one whiskey away yeah. from asking her her name. So we tried to we 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 cooked up a, a concept for the music video and 
you know, we had, so we had these girls, right? We had our star yeah, who just uh, lit up the camera, man. She was so beautiful on camera. And then we had a couple other girls. Like I had my girl Janelle in there and, and, mm-hmm. you know, Lala was in there like mm-hmm. on the squad looking fierce. And <laughs> I mean, we had this whole squad of girls that just came in like they own the place, you know, and I shot them. So we're going to do it like slow-mo. And so it was gonna be really cool. Yeah. So again, we're just, uh, the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up is because like we're thinking, like, okay, what would make it somebody want to watch the next thing, right? How do we keep mm-hmm. the audience interested, blah, blah, blah. Well, what if, you know, we, we've been now for multiple times, we're kind of getting known for our lyric videos because we're doing cool stuff for lyric. Like we're shooting cool stuff in the background mm-hmm. to put the lyrics over. So it's like this interesting cinematography that goes on behind the lyrics to make you want to watch that yeah. video. And so I said, what do we do like a prequel? What do girls do? when they get together before they're going to go out on the town. Yeah. Yeah. What, what happens when I, one of my interns, Jessica, who obviously is a female was like, we just started brainstorming. She's like, well, I mean, you know, they're going to come over with a boatload of clothes because they're not sure what they're going to wear. All right, they're yeah. all going to meet the one girl's house and they're probably going to do a little pre-gaming with the cocktails, you mm-hmm. know, maybe have a little, a little, little appetizer or something like that. I'm like, okay, right. okay, come on. We're ready. We're yeah. taking notes. And then maybe they're going to, you know, going to crank some music, do a little dancing. Mm-hmm. Matt created the, I think, I, I think, I think actually Jessica did it, like created the album cover design for him that he, you know, he had said, Hey, I, I want to do this, 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 and this. And so she found like a really cool stock photo that mm-hmm. we could use. And then she put the, you know, she designed the album cover and then he's like, yeah, that's it. So then we, we gave a high res version of that to FedEx office uh, the day before the shoot they printed me up a 12.357 inch by 12.357 inch copy that is exactly the album cover size right okay. and our lead girl who was our ingenue for the music video graciously uh, agreed to let us shoot the prequel part at her house yeah and she's got this cute little house and and she's also got an extremely cool and eclectic taste in music mm-hmm and she has a pretty wicked vinyl collection. She's mm-hmm. got vinyl. We were like, wow, this is this is cool. So yeah. we said, let's just take that. We printed like sort of heavier paper stock, the album cover. And she had some vinyl that still had the, the shrink wrap on it. Yeah. So we slid that in <laughs> inside the shrink wrap. So it yeah. did look just like his album, dude. And yeah. she pulls out a record, puts it on the turntable. I get a close up of her dropping the needle, you know, yeah. and then the girls are dancing around and everybody's having a good time. And there's a couple dogs there. So it looked uh-huh. like legit. And then, of course, one girl. And this was kind of random. And it's sort of it's funny the way it worked. But this is like, guys, like I, I want to explain some of this to you because it was just how some of this came together, it still might not work, right? Like we haven't edited it yet. Like I <laughs> You're think, right, yeah. I'm thinking this is going to be cool. I think it's going to work. So we had, I think it was Matt, actually, the artist that was like, in the prequel part, you know, there's got to be some girl like on her cell phone texting and having some personal strife with a boyfriend or something. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's upset about a guy or whatever. Yeah. And she just aggravated when the other girls are like, Oh, it's okay, honey, you know, screw him, blah, blah, blah. And maybe she had a, like a, a sort of a conservative outfit on that she was going to go out. And then the other girls are like, Nope, nope. now you got to go. You got to bring the girls out. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're going to get you a lower cut top and da da da. So we shot all that. Well, that was the plan and the shot list that we had for the, for the prequel. But, uh, during the the music video shoot, which we shot first because 
the location that we were mm-hmm. at. And by the way, shout out to to the location Alley we were Cap. at, Alley Caps, for letting mm-hmm. us get in there. But in true bar fashion, it was a cluster F because there's five things that weren't on the damn schedule that they said – or that were on the schedule, they said weren't. And all of a sudden our schedule got moved around and switched. And I, it's a miracle. I got the shots that I need to get before all yeah. this other crap. happened, dude. I mean, it was an exercise and, uh, you know, boots on the ground yeah. warfare, trying to get it done, moving lighting stuff around everything in that bar. But when we had the shot of them, like walking in, that's like the artist buddy sees the girl and he's like, dude. And he sort of elbows the artist, Matt, and Matt turns around. And it's just like blown away. Yeah. By the girl, it kind of almost falls off his seat and it looks cool. Not cheesy. We shot it. Right. The girls walk in like a squad. There's five of them. Right. And I yeah. shot it in 50 FPS so we can slow it down to 24 mm-hmm. and in slow-mo. And it'll be in 24 FPS and look super cinema, cinema, cinematic. Yeah. On the, fly as they're walking and i'm just looking for things to make it sort of more real like okay more clustered together i want you to walk to the beat of the song and then i said somebody needs to be on a cell phone somebody needs to be texting when they're walking in yeah and so a couple girls pull out their cell phones and one of my artist friends who agreed to be in the video lala just happened to be like in the front with our ingenue right she was just a a little behind our ingenue Mm -hmm. and so she was the one that worked because that the camera it just worked on camera that way you know what i mean and so Lala walks in just with like an RBF man, like like with the resting bitch face, right? Yeah. She's on the she's like texting on the phone, and they just look fierce. They look like I shot it way down low, mm-hmm. you know, with the camera looking up at them, so they're larger than life. Yeah. And when when they come in, and then we're just like, okay, well, guess what? You're the girl <laughs> with the boy problem in the prequel because that just happened. Yeah. Over, you know, it's, it's like you got to know those moments, man. You just got to kind of jump on them and and see what happens. So it just looks really good, and Matt was catching on to that, man. I was like, did you tell her to pull that cell phone? I'm like, yeah. He goes, dude, Alex, that was such a nice touch. It looked so <laughs> realistic. You know what I yeah. mean? Just little little things, man. You have fun. Anyway. That's funny. So the prequel is all about the girls going out. They're getting together. Mm-hmm. They're doing each other's makeup, doing their hair. I've got them looking into the cameras if it's a mirror, doing their lipstick and stuff. And they're deciding what outfits to wear. And they get all dialed up and ready to go out. And they look like they kind of transform from – hair pulled back or hair up into mm-hmm. ready to go out. And then they leave in an, in an Uber car, which was the artist's truck. And, yeah. and then the next shot is pow, they're walking in in those outfits for the, the video. video. Yeah. You know what I mean? So to be continued would be at the end of the lyric video. And it's, it's an idea. It's an and idea. We we're going to try it. Well, that's, that's funny. Uh, it reminds me. Okay. So my, uh, brother-in-law Matt Klein, you know, we did that that comedy record, and there's that song. Mm-hmm. There's taxes everywhere, which we shot at Ray Stevens' office, and I was the I was a squirrely tax guy auditing Matt <laughs> with your creepy with fingers, creepy yeah. fingers, <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyway, so we went downtown Nashville, uh, up around like, like some courthouse or something, like right downtown. There's a huge set of steps, you yeah, know, going up, and Matt had this whole duffel bag stuffed full of what were supposed to be like receipts and stuff. And so he had some receipts kind of like sticking out of the bag, like coming out of the seams, out of the zipper kind of thing. And so he had this big old thing, you know, a little bit at the beginning where he's like, oh, my gosh, he's lugging this whole thing up the hill. And then the, you know, the music starts well. yeah. and the whole auditing. I'm like, hello, Mr. Klein. And um, <laughs> just this creepy auditor. Step right in. Yeah. Let's see what receipts you don't so, have. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so then at the 
at the end, we just, you know, we're just playing all these big steps. Like this whole thing of him lugging this thing, like he's like climbing a freaking Alp. He needs like a Sherpa for this duffel bag full right. of receipts for this audit or whatever. It's like super heavy looking. Yeah, yeah, super heavy looking. And so what we ended up doing just as, uh, just as a joke, we saw previously earlier that day, whatever, we just shot a whole nother video of him just trying to get all that stuff up the steps and like he's lugging it. And at one point, the, uh, the strap on the duffel bag breaks. We show and a break in all the way down the steps. and the duffel bag is just like it's like this five minute almost thing of him going <laughs> slow mo going no and you just see the duffel bag like in slow mo go whoo whoo and just like <laughs> yeah. all the way back down to the bottom he's like oh and then it leads into the into the video so it's funny we played a little bit, and that was like 2012 we were just playing around with that but yeah coming up with a little extra content going all right well they think that's funny then here's just another little bit of that trail to go down yeah, a little bit man, more to the I, story, yeah. you know, like here's this whole bit that's hopefully funny by itself. And you know. yeah, any artist that honestly, that's doesn't get promo and like, oh, I don't like to do promo, but mm-hmm. well, man, I don't know why, because the, I had an 18 hour day yesterday. Mm-hmm. I was all handheld gimbal stuff. Cause it was in a bar. So, I mean, it wasn't handheld. It was gimbal stuff, yeah. you know, steady cam kind of stuff. But that thing is effing heavy, dude, <laughs> with that camera on it. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to hold that for – I mean, it's not heavy, heavy, but it's heavy. And it's like one of those things where, you know, hold your arm out. Just empty for 18 hours and you'll be sore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so you're doing, you're doing that whole thing, and then you're trying to work around the, the, the chaos mm-hmm. and, and hurt all these cats and everything. But – Man, it was fun. And oh, it was yeah. a seriously cool artistic itch mm-hmm. to scratch. Yeah. Of like, oh, let's try this. Let's try that. Well, let's what if we what if we do it this? Hold on a second, we come right over her shoulder. And I've I've got got the autofocus on. So it's focused on her, on her mm-hmm. profile. And I'm a he's across the bar. They're sneaking peeks at one another mm-hmm. throughout the night. And and that's the video concept. So I come around her and then they're blurred off in the distance, and all of a sudden, pow comes in and i'm like okay now look you know she's just having <laughs> yeah. a good time with the girls mm-hmm. and then he's ha- he's talking to his boys and then we come around and all of a sudden boom it comes right into focus and i'm like all right now look you know and he looks over his boys are telling him a story she's off to his left on the other side of the bar and he's his boys are telling a story to his right so his focus is to the right so it's very dramatic when he just turns his attention away from them mm-hmm. and puts his attention on her and his buddy elbows him like dude I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. You, you, but just to do that and to work with the focus and stuff, mm-hmm. it's it's so. I'm finding this so interesting. I don't know how. I get, I get Michael Jackson. I get Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. I get these artists that really got into their own videos. You oh, know what I mean? Yeah. And just really took ownership of it because it's so much. It's yeah. so much fun. I mean, Matt and I had yeah. so much. That's the di- most I've dug into, like doing video and concepts and kind of acting and all that. So much fun. Yeah. So it's so cool. It's like, oh, and this might actually make us money too. Like, oh, okay, let's <laughs> get to hang out with the buddy. Just <laughs> laugh your, your song. Yeah. You know, of course, we're doing like comedy videos, so we're like laughing our butts off anyway. But even when you're doing serious stuff, it's so funny. I got. To, did I tell you that I got to be in a. Uh, a Lane Turner music video. It got aired on CMT and stuff. No. Yeah. So this was, this is also, this is news. Uh, it's probably like two, uh, 2006, 2007, somewhere around there. Lane Turner was an artist on Warner brothers. He was mm-hmm. a buddy of mine. He wrote a major Bob music where I was right at the time. So we got to be buddies. 
And so anyway, he was shooting a video for the song called Where's a Sunset? Like, where's the sunset when you need one? He's a Texas country cowboy hat cowboy. It's awesome. And uh, so anyway, songs about, you know, he just broke up and he's trying to find a way to look cool. He's like, where's the sunset when you need one? You know, kind of thing to ride off into. <laughs> right. Oh, right. <laughs> so anyway, they were doing this this video shoot. He asked me to be in it because basically he just needed my truck. It's because I had a truck in those days. Those were good days. And I got to be the other guy that like kind of stole his girl. His girl left him for. Oh, so, I gotta check this out. Dude, oh, what's the song called? Yeah, Lane what, what Turner is the artist and Where's a Sunset? Where's a Sunset? Where's a Sunset? <laughs> Starts off, she's breaking up with him and and she's actually also an artist who was in Tin Cup Gypsy and they got signed to Warner for a while, Cassandra. And so she's just like, I'm sorry, it's just not working out kind of thing. He's like, ah, you know, so he's gonna go start his truck and try to leave. And, and you know, he has an older truck. It was Lane's truck and just, it wouldn't start in the video. Just like, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm coming out the front door kind of holding her hand just kind of looking at him like who you know it's like oh he's the jerk and uh he ends up having to ask us for a ride <laughs> and so he's sitting in the back of my truck and i'm riding with her and we're talking and laughing and he's just in the Holy back like, and carrying uh, yeah and he's just in the back and where's a sunset when you need one one to try to walk away looking cool <laughs> so we got to spend a day doing that over in east nashville or not east nashville over in Anyway, it doesn't matter. But uh, over like more Green Hills kind of area, driving around neighborhoods and stuff. And Oh, that's fun. <laughs> and so that was just, that was cool. You know, that was just kind of the biggest production I've been part of. But it, it was fun. It's super fun, man. Yeah, guys. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Now you can do it. it yeah. So it's kind of what we're going to get. We're going to talk a little bit about why this is, is how the pie is, is growing in the industry that you want. And that's mm-hmm. what we're going to get to. But real quick, it, let's take care of some business. We're happy as all get out to be on and to be one of the featured shows on American Songwriter Magazine's podcast network, ASPN. There's lots of great shows there. So if you've been a climber forever, then by golly, go check out some of those new shows. And if you found us through American Songwriter Podcast Network, then welcome to the climb. We'd love to have you here. Lots of good stuff here. We hope you stick around for a while. Join the climb community if you haven't Mm -hmm. done so already. This is a thriving community, very active, people talking, people hooking up co-writes, international co-writes, getting syncs, making money, talking about promo ideas, sharing this, sharing that, business stuff. Hey, boom, boom, lots of support in this community, some funny stuff, good news that we're putting in the feed there to keep you abreast of everything that's going on. That's right. And I think it's just a good place for you to hang out at. You have to ask to be let in. We let everybody in. And we give you some space, right, to shout out some wins. Well, that's right. We on, have it. A- on Wednesday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a Wednesday. We post the new heights segment, and that's a post where we encourage you to share your wins with us in the comments so people know where the winners are hanging out and they can celebrate each other and make connections. And it's it's just a it's highlight of the week, actually, for me, as far as what goes on in the community, because people are sharing good news and celebrating. So uh, I just want to share a couple of these from the previous week. So Alan Richeson, the second or Richson, maybe the second said had a cut come out last week. I have another one coming out on Friday. Of course, I chime in with dude share. So he mm-hmm. uh, posted, looked like it just kind of a screen grab of the, the name of that. But you have people jumping in going, way to go and high fiving him basically, which is awesome. 
uh, our buddy Patrick Adams said, well, it happened again. My three favorite words are check your email. So new song, <laughs> came, <laughs> yeah, new song came back uh, from Demo with the Amigos. And all I can say is pretty da- I'm pretty dang happy. If there's one thing I've learned is that your writing will get better and better and your writing will get easier, but you'll be working harder and harder all the time. I'm just lucky, but I've made my luck by following advice, learning and making connections and doing the work. A uh, big special shout out to me, amigos, Brad Hacker and Chris Tiscarino on this one. We got one we're surely proud of. Thanks to the Climb community for making it all possible. And so people are high-fiving them there. And uh, last one we'll share here. Uh, this is pretty cool. This kind of definitely more up your alley, Johnny, from Michael Parker. He said kind of an epiphany along with this one. He goes, this song is one I really like, and he had a link for it. Um, but I haven't done much with it since I wrote it. I recorded the work tape for YouTube on my 3D camera November 2019. Flash forward to the past couple of weeks, it's getting likes and comments and is up to like almost 15,000 views. Now, as much as I like to believe it's just I'm just that good, right? I realize that my 3D and 360 videos are all getting hit at higher levels than those that aren't. So friends, making content for folks with VR headsets might be a tactic to consider. These hits are mostly international, uh, like the hits, YouTube hits, counts and Mm -hmm. stuff, views, are mostly international and provide an inroad to listeners that would never just stumble on the songs. You can check it out if you're inclined. So he puts a link to that to that song so i just thought that was interesting a little hack going yeah those i guess those people with vr and 360 and 3d and all that stuff they don't that's a smaller pool of content and they want to hey they want to look at that kind of stuff so if you can provide that kind of stuff then it puts you in a smaller pool of stuff that people want to check out so adding on to that there there's data in the video file that lets the algorithm know that it's a 360 video oh or a 3D video, mm-hmm. and that data is going to be favored. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to you're going to get more love, organic love from that than you would on the other stuff because why? Well, that's where they want to push you to. That's right. And I'll bet you, if you found out, if you went digging through that, you, you know, YouTube and Facebook and them have invested in VR technology of some form. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> but they have the ability to push and, yeah. and through their algorithms. So right. it makes sense. And and I love that he's on top of that. Good and for him. I also, just FYI, Michael Parker is a good writer. He is good. Sure. So good. that doesn't hurt. Good. No, yeah. not at all. All right. So there you go. That guy's subscribe to the podcast or follow the podcast wherever you consume your podcast platforms. Make sure that you leave a rating and review. We're trying to get to 200. And also, the best thing you can do, because it comes from you, not from us, is tell a friend about it. Brent and I are very, very grateful and very, we do not take for granted the amount of time that you spend with us each week here. It's a lot, but we also know that you're not doing it because you're charitable people. Even though you may be charitable people, you're certainly not going to be that charitable with us on a weekly basis. Right, and we, exactly. we, we, you're getting something out of it. We, uh, we understand that we are trying to work hard to make sure you keep getting something out of it, but tell a friend about it because we can help them too. That's right. So uh, that's a big deal. So, all right. So let's get into it guys. Okay, just Have you- real, real quick before we get into it. So Johnny and I were talking pre show, uh, about this one. He's kind of, he likes to kind of talk through the, the, uh, episode before we get started. And you're going to do your hot take on this right now. And, in terms and so of <laughs> what's funny is, so Johnny was talking about it. He goes, so I guess, I mean, I think it's probably gonna be one of my shorter episodes. I said, Oh, you say that. And he goes, yeah, I'm not sure how much they're going to make this a long episode. And I just checked the clock on this thing. We're already like at 24 <laughs> minutes and you're just now getting into it. You, yeah, we're just getting started. I'm like, Oh, no, Johnny, it will be short, though. you found it will be a way. Short. 
You found a way. We're already 24 minutes. Okay, time to start. Okay. Well, I didn't know we were going to end up talking about the stuff we talked about at the beginning. That just happened. See? You find a way. Oh, yeah. Life yeah, finds a way. Works out. That's life finds a way to make sure Johnny talks too long. That's the truth. Oh, my God. All right. Bob Lefsitz has some great podcast interviews on his podcast, especially in the music industry. I I, I, I kind of stay away from maybe some of the te- some of the text. He's pretty dialed in with the tech stuff. Sometimes he's got political stuff on there, and I don't really listen to that. But I do like – he gets great. God, he, Irving Azoff, man, interviewed Irving Azoff, mm-hmm. who was the manager of the Eagles, and just talked about his life. And it's just invaluable information on there. So the second or the third to the last interview that he did was with this cat named Merck Mercuriatus, who – like you nailed it on the head. Tell him yeah. when I mentioned the name, you said, I said what? wait, what's his name? Merc Mercuriatus. Says so like yeah. it sounds like he was defeated one time by like Blue Beetle or like Hawkman. It sounds like yeah. a comic book villain. As a comic book super Merc villain. Mercurial. Yeah. <laughs> but for musicians and songwriters, he is not a villain. He is a superhero. He has a company called Hypnosis, which is spelled really weird with a G mm-hmm. um, after the P, and I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't know what this. I think no, as in like gnostic, as in knowing, knowing hip, gnosis, like gnostic. Is it kind of spread like like agnostic? Uh, uh. Latin, I think, to know, agnostic to not know, right? Gnostics to Uh. know, hypnosis, maybe like knowing hipness. I just a thought. Now it's genius. Like I didn't even know that. (laughs) Take it. Give me the give me the word, man. To the the. Yeah. The English guy to there we go to lay all that out. Yeah, I can totally okay, be wrong so, by that. You know, I'm not all of my Latin. But hey, climbers, welcome to some help. That's right. We want to turn you on to a professional service by our sponsor, BetterHelp. H e l p. BetterHelp. Listen, as singers, songwriters, and artists, our greatest strength is sometimes our greatest weakness, and that is our emotional intensity. Listen, it helps you create great art, but it can also torpedo not just your career, but your life. And we don't want the bad stuff. We just want the great art. We want your emotions to be a source of help, not hurt. And that brings us to BetterHelp.com. Sorry, guys, it's not a crisis line. This is not a self-help line. This is a professional counseling service that's done securely online. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. And as an artist and as somebody who deals with artists, the licensed professional counselors that they have, the stuff they specialize in, I'm going to read you just a quick little list. I've had to deal with all these at one point or another, either myself or with other artists. So this is real stuff. Depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, trouble sleeping. A lot of us have had traumas, anger, family conflicts, if LGBTQ matters, grief from loss is something, a loved one maybe. And and just about every artist I know, I don't, I don't think I know one that doesn't secretly have a little self-esteem issue going on. So here's somebody you can talk to. That's right. And you can start communicating with them in under 48 hours. So you don't have to wait long to start talking to somebody. Also, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available, which is great. I'm always happy to see that. And the service is available for clients worldwide, meaning you don't have to just find somebody local who understands you, but that you might run into at the grocery store. You can find counselors worldwide. So it doesn't matter where you are. 
That's right, guys. If you want to dig down a little deeper on this, there's a ton of testimonials that you can research that are on their website at betterhelp.com. And this podcast is just because we want you to win. We don't want this stuff to get in the way of your artist's career. So if this can help, then we want to help you help yourself. So as a climber, you get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor, betterhelp.com slash songwriter. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash songwriter. So, so hypnosis, if, if you've been paying attention at all to any of the trade magazines, hypnosis, this is the company and this is the dude behind the company that's buying up all the song catalogs. Mm-hmm. So, and this is, listen, this is interesting to everybody listening to this podcast okay like maybe this sounds a little either above your pay grade or a little too sophisticated for anything that you need to be worried about but it all filters down to what we're talking about and what we've been preaching in this podcast for the last five plus years he initially got a 200 million dollar investment and he started buying up song catalogs because he's going to make money with the song catalogs and these investors believe that they can do that. And now because it's been so successful, he has grown from a $200 million company to a $2.5 billion company Not in bad. just a couple of years. Not bad. Okay. And he's, and you've been, I mean, he bought, I think he bought half of Neil Young's catalog. He's bought he, now Merck is a, a former record label executive manager kind of guy. When you listen to the interview, uh, he is unquestionably an advocate for the artist mm-hmm. and for the writer. Okay. Aside from business, he has turned away business deals that he doesn't think favor the writer, that favor the artist. He's not your sort of dark, silhouetted, shady music label guy. Yeah. He's really, really, really an advocate. And the, the deals that he's signing with these artists are pretty freaking spectacular. And he talks about the multiples that are going to happen, financially speaking, after they purchase these. And I, I recommend listening to this interview because you're going to learn a lot about new cash registers that are opening up in the music industry. Why hasn't this happened before? Why hasn't why is why is why is this? 2019 news and 2020 news and 2021 news. Why is it not 1980 news? Mm-hmm. It's because of the changes in the music industry that have happened that allow him to do this. So for the record here, I think he said that they got $2.5 billion in investment money so far and 177 Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. investors hmm. so kicking in some so this, serious this, this isn't millions of people mm-hmm. with a couple bucks yeah okay uh on a penny stock this is big 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 money people mm-hmm. and he talked about getting that first investment just as a side note where he went around and he said we had this many meetings it was like 135 meetings or something and he said there were nine people in those meetings that were like don't ever darken our door again. (laughs) (laughs) We don't care if this is a winner or not. None of the people's money that we're responsible for, none of those people are going to be interested in this. Mm -hmm. Okay. So don't ever come back. And some of them, the the vast majority of them were like, Oh, this sounds really sexy, really interesting, but we're going to wait and see what you do. We're not going to be your Guinea pig. Yeah. And then there was uh, enough people, well, $200 million worth of people that were like, Oh, I like this. Let's go. Yeah. And it's been making money. And so he's taking song catalogs and in a publishing company fashion, he's exploiting those titles mm-hmm. and, and trying to work them more and help them generate more money for the stockholders. They go into the boring business stuff about how the company's structured and stuff as much as Merck can do it. A lot of it's public information. Some of it isn't. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think they just bought the Chili Peppers catalog. He's, he's in there. And largely – Because he, they just didn't give it away now. It, <laughs> give it away, give it away, give it away <laughs> right. now. You got to do that with the tongue. You got to, yeah. Trail. So why? Why is this guy – Why? how the hell is $2.5 billion – like who's – what these yeah. people are in the music industry? What the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. Follow the money. Follow yeah. the money. Why are people who have nothing to do with the music industry, who 20 years ago would never, ever invest in the music industry because it's a roll of the dice, mm-hmm. very risky. The only time anybody ever invested in musicians or songs or whatever was to out of love for the artists yeah. or love for the song. They're like angel investors. They're going to do it because they just want to support that person. They believe in them and God willing, they're going to win something. But otherwise you're not going to get, you're not going to get investors like GE is going to get investors. Right? Right, yeah. like that. So what changed? Why is that? Why is this a story? Why does this guy have what Bob Les has called the sexiest company in the music business right now? Mm-hmm. It's, it's all got to do with money and it's got to do with consistent cash flow. It works the same way as like the stock market does mm-hmm. in a certain sense. Okay. 
Now, the difference with Merck is and what makes him I, – I really like this guy the more I learn from him. And his name is intimidating. It is. I mean, Merck, like mercenary, right? And then Mercurial yeah. is like he's, he can kill me, and he hadn't even decided how yet. <laughs> but he's got five ways <laughs> but to do it, good, and I won't yeah. even see it coming. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> no real better, and he's totally Mercurial on how he kills you. But It is. Yeah. It's, it's very, very intimidating. But – the reason this guy is, is able to do this is it has everything to do with the changes that we've been talking about in the music industry on this podcast, which means that the market grows for you guys that are listening to this. OK, so one of the things he describes is, first of all, he's not buying any of these catalogs to sell them. Just I would just want to give kind of a shout out to him, mm. unlike the stock market where. You can buy and sell stock and you're going to go and make some money and then you're going to sell it. Mm -hmm. Here, it's all about the song catalog and it's all about working that catalog. And he's like, I will never sell those. If for any reason, all my investors decide that they need to unload this or ditch this, then he goes, then I will buy them. <laughs> yeah. Be because he wants to work them. He believes in those songs and he believes in what's happening. I think some of the value in this is the mindset of the industry is that they're not going to be able to make any more superstars. Okay. Yeah. Which all of a sudden makes that real estate really freaking valuable mm -hmm. because there's now an end to it. They believe. Yeah. They believe. I don't believe that's true. I just think they're still maturing and developing this market, recovering from huge 80% loss in the industry mm -hmm. uh, and getting back on their feet. And then, once they realize that the streaming is going to keep coming, then, okay, how else can we get people to connect with our artists? And they're going to start thinking about some of the ideas that we've already started thinking about yeah. on this podcast. But he's turned song catalogs into an asset. Mm -hmm. And he's working those assets. He's making those more money for each of those song catalogs. How? What's different now than 20 years ago? Some of those catalogs are 20, 30, 40 years old or mm -hmm. more, 50, 60 years old. The song or the song catalog. Because streaming. Yeah. Because it's become so easy to be a content creator now. Mm -hmm. Before, if you were going to be a musician that had any kind of an audience that could generate any kind of real money, you had to have a competitive recording that was cost prohibitive mm -hmm. that was 150 maybe 200 grand yeah to do that 99.9999 percent artists ain't going to do that without a record label <laughs> right yeah and, and then you had to after that plan had gotten in line you to get on the radio yeah because how else are you going to get your music in front of people that, that was the only way right or mtv or cmt or bet or whatever yeah. each one that was the only way to bring the product to market, mm -hmm. essentially, to get in front of the mass eyeballs that you needed to get in front of. So, again, they mathematically like, restricted. Yeah, like the economies of scale, I think, is what it is. Like, it's so, it costs so much money to get started. That keeps a lot of people out of the space. Yeah. And, the and, barrier and to entry not only does financially it, so high keeps a lot of people out. Yeah, and not only does it cost – but unlike an airline, not only does it cost money to get it started, a ridiculous amount of money to get it started, it's also – you might not get in. Right, yeah. You might not get a shot. There might not be a playlist spot for you, mm -hmm. for your artist, no matter how much money you spend. Yeah, you build all those airplanes and you still can't find an airport that will let you land. 
Yeah, now you're screwed. Right? Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, which is 95% of major label artists back in the old business model. Mm-hmm. That same was true for content creation for movies, video, commercial, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's only three networks back in the day, mm-hmm. right? So there's only so many shows that are on there, which means there's only a limited amount of shows that need music to sync to. There's only so much room at, at Blockbuster Video, Family Video, your corner yep. video store, only so much shelf space. So only the top, that's a good point. So only the top 5% are going to make any money, right? You're not going to find some random documentary Mm-hmm. At Blockbuster, that space costs money. It literally has overhead. And so yeah. that little space that holds that DVD, that one space, needs to create revenue or it's it's costing the owner money. Right. It's just that simple. Well, now that's not the case, right? Mm-hmm. So now we have, what, 1,500 channels that, that have content, that are networks that have content mm-hmm. that need music to sync to that content. And that doesn't include the profitable YouTube channels mm-hmm. and the Facebook pages and the, the influencers on Instagram and uh, you know other social media platforms, guys, they need this, so they're going to they can afford to sync too, right? Yeah. So that market grows, and and I would I would add in that market sync is much more profitable in general than like even radio airplay than yeah. record sales. As far as like kind of pound for pound for yeah. use, sync is a lot more profitable. Why? Because that is the most free market that we have for music is sync because that's the part where the government hadn't really gotten in and decided how much we can get paid as writers. So in general, you get a lot more money for sync stuff. So not only is that market growing, that's also pound for pound the most profitable for the writers because you actually get it's free market. Everybody yeah. gets paid better. Absolutely. So so, so we're going to go down that road for a second, too. Here's the thing. Consistent cash flow is how you get people who don't know anything about an industry to invest in it. <laughs> yeah. Because the, you talk to the richest people in the world, and they're going to tell you, I don't invest in crap I don't know about. Like, mm-hmm. why would you do that? Yeah. If I don't know what goes on or how that company works or what they're selling or how this works, then I'm, I don't want to be the sucker at the table. Right. Yeah. So I need to know what to expect. They've got stockbrokers that manage their money and all that kind of stuff. But believe me, they trust, but verify. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, this is the way I want this to look, which is why Merck went out. And some of those people were like, our people would never be interested in this. They're only going to go with the safe stuff. Yeah. They don't want to do anything weird over here. Not going to do it. That's the demeanor of those people. And those financial services companies service their clients and their clients' needs. And so they sort of grift over here. And then you've got some other people that are maybe mediocre that are like, yes, we're very interested, but we want to see it work first. Mm-hmm. And then you've got some pioneers that are like, no, no, we're, we got plenty of money to throw around. We'll, we'll lose a couple million, a couple, 10, 20 million, figure out whether or not this is going to be the next big thing or not. Yeah. And it turns out it's the next big thing. And and how it works is because of consistent cash flow. And it's more consistent than it used to be for these kinds of catalogs. Why? Because of streaming. Mm-hmm. So the way that Merck explained this, which I thought was really, really interesting, was – and this is an oversimplified answer, but you get the point. He was like, the definition of success 
in a country like the United States, for a, for a music artist, would be a platinum record back in the day. Uh-huh. It's a million sold. That's a big deal. Well, just think about that. Like a platinum record is is one million records sold, and in a country of three hundred and sixty million people, that means one in three hundred and sixty people are buying the record. Uh-huh. And any music industry executive that's been around a long time will tell you that music itself was kind of a bit of a luxury item. I mean, there's lots of people who loved music, but they were perfectly happy to listen to the radio. Yeah. It didn't mean they would buy it. <laughs> yeah. They wouldn't, it didn't mean they would buy a record. Maybe they go to a concert. Maybe they don't. It didn't mean they would buy it. And it was expensive. Mm-hmm. We're, we're still paying 99 cents for download today, but in, in inflationary calculator stuff, you go back when it costs 16 bucks to make a record and you're talking about three, three dollars and 50 cents a song Yeah, is what you were paying to own a song, whether it was on a record or a CD back in the day. So it's still undervalued. And, and, and because of that, guys, I believe that that price will go up. But it might not go back up to $3.50 because the other factor is volume. Yeah. So now the difference is that there's 100 million people in the United States alone that are paying subscription fees to a streaming service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one in 3.6 people that are paying monthly mm-hmm. for music. And they're, if they're paying it, they're listening to stuff. They're listening to stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So now, and, and, and they're listening to, you know, obviously their favorite touch. So when he goes and gets something synced in a movie, and it's a big movie, mm-hmm. well, guess what? The, guess what the knee-jerk reaction is downriver of that? Somebody's going to go want to listen to the whole thing. Listen, stream it. Yeah, more streams. More streams. I, I forgot how much I love this song. Yeah. Let's go check this out again. You know, blah, 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 blah. So I think about that. And then I think about, I go back to Spotify with the... 13,400 artists that got signed. We did all that math. It boils down to like somewhere in the neighborhood of 8,700 indie artists like you who don't have a record deal, who don't have super rich parents, who didn't get lucky and win the lottery, and who didn't used to have a record deal, mm-hmm. who figured out a way to generate what amounts to be, if it's 50 grand from Spotify just in streaming, it's probably like a easily 75 grand, probably more like a hundred across all the streaming services mm-hmm. total six figures. So you can make money. And and now we don't need anybody's permission. It's not cost prohibitive uh, to make the sound recordings that are competitive. It's also not cost prohibitive to promote it with video content, but you just got to want to scratch that itch. And so what does that mean? That there are, I, I, you might remember a, a few episodes. Well, this is, this is probably a year ago, maybe. I was interviewed on the podcast from the company Royalty Exchange. Mm-hmm. Royalty Exchange is the, the microcosm of hip, hypnosis. Yeah. They work on songs that are on a smaller scale, kind of thing. On a smaller scale, but the same thing. And when I was describing, I'm like, how do you do this? What is the, how does this work? And he's like, it's all about consistent cash flow. He goes, we're looking at to buy songs that are consistent. Mm-hmm. And it goes, it doesn't need to be trending upward. It, it can even be trending downward. Mm-hmm. But as long as it's trending downward slowly, it's still consistent. We can reasonably say, we're going to get this amount of streams in this next couple of years, and it's going to generate this amount of revenue mm-hmm. on the streams, which creates this amount of money. And that's, in that sense, it's very similar to the stock market. Yeah. 
The stock market factors in speculation, but in speculation can work only if the company makes money mm -hmm. and turns into right. a money maker. Through the dot-com boom, we had a lot of speculation, a lot of drunk stockbrokers going, oh, this is the best idea ever. And they were paying $400 for a share of stock from a company that hadn't made dollar one yet. It was still an idea. They didn't know as great as the idea might have mm -hmm. been. It doesn't mean that the that the the public's going to adopt it, right. that consumers are going to react and give a shit about it. And it's supply and demand. That's why those stocks were going because everybody's like, oh, this is the new hot, shiny object. Right. I'm going to buy this. The stock goes out. The price goes up. So it's supply and demand and stock price. It's speculation. But it also boils down to the fundamentals of the company. And are they making money on it? And do we have a reason to believe in every way, shape, and form that next quarter they're going to do what they say they're going to yeah. do as far as, as, as money is concerned? So think about that. Like music now, music catalogs have become massive assets. Yeah, because they generate money. I, while we're talking, that pained me to go ahead and look up some some recent royalty statements. You yeah. know, because we're talking about streaming and stuff. And and one one way I look at streaming is that yeah, I mean, people like Spotify are screwing over the songwriters. They're trying their best mm -hmm. not to pay them. Okay, and they're out, they're not the only one, right? Trying to do their best not to pay their creators because that way they get bigger piece of the pie. It's we baked it. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> they just figure out, you know, what tables to set it on. And they do their part. So they should get paid, but so should we. And we should have a say in it. Hello, freedom. Mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah. I think the good part about streaming and is we get to settle out where it's not just they're stealing our stuff and deciding what to pay for it, is man, the 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 long tail on this, which is a concept of, you know, you got your hit stuff, you got your current hits are getting most of the radio airplay, getting most of the streams, that kind of thing. And then it, it tail, you know, trails off. And then there's long tail where people still listen to it here and there. It's on like, you know, mellow gold of the seventies playlist and that kind of stuff. We're still, it doesn't get as much as it was like in its hottest period, but still consistently streaming. It's almost like if you'd had a, a cut on an indie artist before, okay, maybe they sold a few records and you might get a piece of that not really getting any radio airplay. And so it's gone, right? Just kind of gone, disappeared after a little while. Okay, that was nice. Mm -hmm. Moving on with my life. But here, I'm looking through this and I'm going, oh, here's an artist, an independent artist I know, put out this song a few years ago, not getting any radio airplay. But so I'm looking through going, okay, I'm with ASCAP. So here's internet radio, Pandora Plus, Pandora Premium, YouTube Premium, uh, Rhapsody, Apple, Spotify, Tidal, all this stuff. And it adds up to like this indie artist, like, oh, there's 10 bucks. Okay. Normally that would be zero. Right? right. So, And this is like pandemic time. So it's not like he's going out and playing shows and selling CDs. This right. is just, okay. You know, he cut a song that we wrote, put it out there, and it's getting streamed. Great. There's a Ray Stevens song on here that's generating some some income that never got played on the radio, I'm sure. This comedy song that we wrote. But you know what? It's been out for like, I don't know, like at least seven, eight years. At least. No, maybe like over 10 years. <clears throat> and so we're not getting radio airplay. I'm not sure if that record, how much that, that record's selling or whatever. But you know what? Yeah, this is like 2008. And it's still bringing mm. in some, a little bit of income. Why? Oh, let's take a look here. Pandora, a little bit of print. Yeah. 
DSPs, man, Amazon, iHeart, Pandora, it's bringing in some. Monday Morning Church, I mean, that came out as a single in 2005, so 2005, 2006, so like 15 years, getting where it can show up on like classic country stations. But even that is a bottleneck that if you're going to go over to Allen songs, you're going to think of Gone Country, Chattahoochee. Chattahoochee. You're going to go yeah. down the list of pretty good ways before you get to my hit with them, right? Just And there's only going to play so many Alan Jackson songs. But hey, here's hundreds of dollars showing up. And a lot of it, some record sales still, but a lot of it is internet radio, YouTube, YouTube Red, that kind of stuff, Spotify, because yeah. uh, he's on these different playlists and people are listening to it. And it's still bringing in money 15 years later. And that's the beauty of streaming, because if it was just record sales and radio airplay, I can see the numbers. They wouldn't be as big as they are. Yeah. And so that's the long tail and the consistent earning. I look at it now like, as a writer, I'm just diversifying my portfolio. I'm just getting stuff in the stream. So these pennies, can, these long tails, as you keep stacking little tails on top of long tails, it thickens up. So it's like, okay, yeah, uh, Southern Gospel. Yeah, there's a little bit of Southern Gospel radio around the country if I have a hit or whatever. But even if it's an album cut, may not get played, but it's on a record that's on streaming and some of that stuff gets streamed and it's just part of it. So I can get paid on that for years. Whereas they might not be selling much as far as the records or whatever, but if it's still it's out there where it can be discovered, can get listened to, even if they're not looking for that particular song, it's on a playlist or they're going through and listen to this, the record mm-hmm. and it's on there, uh, even better if it's one of the singles. But it just consistently like, all right, I can see in my quarterly royalty statements that, yeah, this stuff is adding up. I mean, I keep adding new stuff into the top of the funnel with new mm-hmm. cuts because that's you get the big pop at the beginning, but then that yeah. long tail, you just kind of just making that long tail just a little fatter, a little fatter. So on that note, you factor that in and then you factor in what we've always been saying. And so far we've been, I think we've been pretty much batting a thousand on this podcast with our predictions for the future of the music industry. I really think, I don't know that we've missed one yet. Yeah. I really don't. Again, when I say the Spotify's relationship with the labels and with the artists is unsustainable the way it is, okay, because the labels and the artists really don't need Spotify. Mm-hmm. They think they do right now, but the reality is that they don't because they own the traffic. The right. artist owns the traffic, and that it, it doesn't matter where they put that. The traffic will find them wherever they put that song. They don't necessarily have to be on Spotify. They can be on blockchain. They can be on their own server. They can be, uh, they can be anywhere. You know, those big artists can do that. And you saw, I mean, in the eighties with, with, and I'm, I was never a fan of this because it never sounded the same, but you have a lot of the legacy eighties hair bands and stuff. And a Mm -hmm. lot of legacy country artists who re-recorded their hits so they could own the masters. Mm -hmm. Right. And sell them. And that doesn't sound the same. And so it's like, I hate it when I find that on streaming and I can't get to the original one because I want the original one. That's the one I want. But it's a different world now with Taylor Swift. They talked about that in this Mm smart thing. I mean, she's killing it Mm -hmm. by doing that. Why? Because she knows I own the traffic. Yeah. They're going to consume what I tell them to consume, Mm -hmm. what I give them to consume. And if they believe the story behind it, then God bless them. And so they're going to go listen to the Taylor's version and not the old version. And it's not even about not the old version. She's going to get traffic to that if they consume them both. 
Well, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Either way, she she wins a certain. That amount. doesn't happen ten years ago. No. What one thing that did happen? I remember, and it it probably was ten years ago or almost ten years ago. I was having um, I was having a conversation with a member of a band that was really big in the nineties and into the two thousands, but you know, the, more of a legacy band at this point. You know, he was in the band, and so we were writing one day and uh, talking about it, and he was like, "Yeah, we can. We're still playing shows." Because God bless country, you can play shows forever. We've had some hits, and they had a bunch of them. And he's like, "We got to buy our own records, like from the label, to go out and sell them for shows, right? We now we get a yeah. you know wholesale kind of thing. We get a discount, right? But we got to buy the record in order to sell them at the shows. You know, so what we're talking about doing is going in and just making a new greatest hits record and just cutting the new version so we own the masters and mm-hmm. sell that because then we get a hundred percent of it." Oh, minus, mm-hmm. you know, writer, share, and publisher, and that kind of stuff. But, I mean, for an album, that's not 100% much. It's like a buck, revenue, right? They get it, yeah. Yeah, so versus, oh, we got to buy them for, I don't remember the numbers. Like, we got to buy it for, you know, six bucks or seven bucks from the label and then turn around and sell it. And that's just a, a big old chunk. Why don't we invest, do our own version, own the master, and now if we sell it for 20 bucks at a show, you know, you take out writer and publisher share, we make like 19 to, you know, pay back yeah. the cost. You got to pay back the cost of making it. But yeah. they were, I don't I don't know if they did that, but that's something they were having a serious conversation about. Well, and, and so it's just business. So let's wrap it up with this. And you're right, Brent. Damn it. We didn't go short at all. But, <laughs> so here's the thing, like follow the money. Okay. Mm-hmm. To, to give you a difference in perspective on, on what I mean by that, the reason... Sony Records used to be CBS Records, okay? Mm -hmm. And CBS Records was bought by Sony, not because Sony wanted to get into the music industry, Mm -hmm. okay? And Paramount, Sony owned Paramount, or Sony had created Sony Studios. They they didn't buy Paramount. They They bought another major movie studio, not because they wanted to get into the movie industry, because they wanted to be creative. They did it because they got their their butt burned on Betamax tape. Yeah. Betamax tape came out. Betamax was a far better quality product than VHS ta- or uh, on videotape than VHS tape was. Mm-hmm. Philips invented VHS. Sony invented Betamax. Philips was part of the Seagram's conglomerate, which also owned a record label, Poly- Polygram Records. Okay. Okay. So they had this new product. Videotape. We had never seen videotape before, like yeah. in that, those videotape cassette things. That was new to the market. 22 immutable laws of marketing. It's better to be first than to be better. Betamax, way better than VHS, way, way better. But because Seagram's owned Polygram and also a movie studio, which I think but that was it. That was Paramount. I think Paramount was owned by Seagram's. Mm-hmm. They had access through business relationships already in place to movie titles. So when those tapes first came out and they were competing in the marketplace, uh, it was cool because you could record a movie that was on TV and you could edit out the commercials, which was like a big deal back in the 70s and the 80s. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden – they said, hey, we've got this movie studio. We own it. Let's go for the first time sell them the movie. Yeah. So like you could own the, the theater version of the movie. You could never do that before. Yeah. There wasn't streaming. That was the big deal. And so guess what? VHS wins in the marketplace because they went to market first with movie titles. And then Sony lost a billion dollars of, of, 
R&D on that screw up. And that's why they bought CBS Records. Mm -hmm. And that's why they bought the the movie studio, because they're like, we are not whatever we invent tomorrow. We're not going to lose because we don't have entertainment titles because our electronics are for movies and are for music. And for, you know, this is this 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 is the products that we make. We need to own the intellectual content, uh-huh. the intellectual property to make sure that we can be first in the marketplace. So follow the money. They had a reason for doing that. It had nothing to do with the music. It had nothing to do with the music. It had everything to do with the product. It, and what's scary is Spotify doesn't own the music. And, yeah, and they don't own the music, right? And so that's why it's first of all, that's why it's unsustainable. Mm. And on that note, when when the record labels wake up and the artists wake up and the indie mm. artists are like, you know what? We should be making all the revenue from the traffic that we create. Mm. And why can't we when you totally can? I'm not saying the brand will go away, but right. it's gonna change. The yeah. relationship's gonna change. And when that does even in the scariest articles that you read about how AI is going to take over the music industry because mm-hmm. they can make somebody's voice like electronically sound like somebody else. And, yeah. and maybe it sonically sounds like that, but they can't make that AI think like a singer is going to think and inflect and, 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 and interpret yeah. like a, a human is going to interpret. That's another argument for another day. Even in those scariest things, you know what? They don't have songwriters. They have to be able to write the song mm-hmm. and have to make sense and they have to create the feels. And so even in those scary articles, which freak everybody out, true or not true, the songwriter still going to have a job, going to have a yeah. seat at the table and going to be way, way, way more valuable. And so my point being that when that relationship finally does what it's going to do with Spotify and all the streaming services and the labels bring that in, now that they're not paying a cut to a distributor, the the songwriters are going to get more. The free market for the songwriters is going is, is coming very, very, very quickly because uh, you, you can you've got so many choices now. Mm-hmm. There's going to be instead of having just a small group of 10 artists making boatloads of money as a major top hit songwriter on major labels that you can't piss off. Right. Because there's no other place for you to make the Mm -hmm. money you're used to making to keep that pool in the backyard and to keep your kids in college and to do all that crap. You can't rock the boat. Now, guess what? As these artists start to jump ship Mm -hmm. and start to do stuff for themselves, so do the songwriters. That happens right behind that. And then it's like, you know what? I'm not going to write with you because this guy's paying me more. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Kenny or... <laughs> or Carrie yeah. or whoever. The, oh well, oh hell, we'll pay you that. Don't worry about that. Okay, all right, cool. This is what I'm making now, and then it starts to change. Mm-hmm. And it's just that's just what's going to happen, guys. You've seen so many big, big, big rules. Like, and I use rules in air quotes. You can't see them because I'm on audio. But so many big rules broken. Like, how mm-hmm. the hell does Netflix go from starting to stream movies in 2007 to owning Hollywood? just 15 years later like in dominating hollywood like in a big big way so guys it's here and you gotta we're gonna talk about this on my next episode you gotta promote man Mm -hmm. you can't not promote if i hear one more freaking artist tell me they don't like to promote i'm I'm gonna talk about how you don't have a choice you know and even in the business model that you think you might get you're gonna be promoting the fire out of everything yeah we'll talk about it next time but Um, Guys, this podcast exists because we want you to win, so keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. Not even close to the show. (laughs) It's like 24 minutes we haven't started yet. (laughs) It's like you're just talking about the video. I'm like, yeah, this is not going to be a short episode. 
<laughs> I really was excited about that. I can tell. <laughs> It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.